Again, we'll try to look a little bit more at the sanctity of life on next, next week. Um, we did a good series on that a couple years ago where we saw all the different areas. It wasn't just talking about abortion, but also about special needs and jail ministry, um, about uh, people in nursing homes. There's just a lot of dignity and sanctity of life issues that we need to be aware of, and we'll look a little bit of that uh, next week. But today we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 5. Book of Hebrews, chapter 5. And we're going to talk about eating strong meat. Do we have any meat eaters in the building? <laughs> A few, right? Eating strong meat. All right, let's read together. We have a little bit of a lengthy reading, but hang in there with me. And then we'll jump into a little more specific part of the text today. But Hebrews chapter 5, let's start in verse 1. And I have King James here, and then we'll switch over to NIV here in just a minute. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1. The Word of God says this. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Verse 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Verse 10, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, chapter 6, verse 1, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism and of laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. All right, we're going to talk a little bit this morning about the strong meat, about eating strong meat. I'll just to give you a brief review where we've made our way through here, kind of chapter 3, chapter 4 of Hebrews. The idea was that we would enter God's rest. Does that sound good to anybody today? <laughs> Man, when things get out of sorts and things get stressful and chaotic, that just sounds amazing to me. I can't wait to be in God's complete rest. But there's rest even now 
for us in the midst of chaos. And we looked at those things in chapter 3. The first thing we saw was that there could be a word of encouragement. And so a couple weeks ago, I really stressed to you guys, I pushed on you guys to encourage someone. Today, if you haven't done that, I would challenge you even today, this week, would you call someone, text someone, go visit someone, and encourage them with what they've meant to you, and especially encourage them in the Lord. If we're going to enter God's rest, we need help from the outside. We can't do it on ourselves, right? Encourage somebody, all right? And then we saw just a couple weeks ago, right after that, we looked at Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 12. And there we were reminded of God's word. And I even hit my kids in Sunday school class again about the, the power of God's word. And I told them how the world is going to challenge them. And the world is going to tell them that this scripture is not really of God. It's just a bunch of men wrote it down, what they thought and felt. But the word of God said that God spoke and his spirit moved over them as they wrote these words. And so while we see their personality in their writings, what we have are the very words of God. And though they be challenged, I want them to look in the people. And I spoke of you. I said, I want them to look at the people of this church and see how they live their life based on that word of God and let that be a strength to them to hold fast in God's word. So we saw in Hebrews chapter four, God's word was quick. That means it's alive. It was powerful. And then the thing that really gets me is that it would check your thoughts and the motives, the intents of your heart. So if you really want to know yourself, if God knows you, regularly be in God's word, okay? And again, all to enter his rest. If you want to enter his rest, you need encouragement. If you want to enter his rest, you need to know the word of God. And then the last thing we saw in chapter four last week that was really, really powerful to me was that we have a high priest who has been tempted in every way, yet he has not sinned. And what did he tell us to do? He said, come boldly with confidence before the throne of grace. See, a lot of you walked out on that last week. I'm going to have to preach that message again. <laughs> Walk to the throne of grace with boldness and confidence. And what does he say? You will receive mercy and you will find, Eureka, you will find grace in your time of need. Do you want to enter God's rest? then we need to spend time in prayer, taking our needs boldly before the throne, okay? So on this idea of high priest, then the author of Hebrews says, I want to talk to you more about the high priest. And it's really important that you know this Jesus and who he is and how his role as high priest is important. But today he runs into a little problem. He says, I really want to talk to you about this, but you still need the meat, meat excuse me, you still need the milk. You can't handle the meat of God's word. Whenever Brooklyn was a little, little child, um, we liked to try to eat steak when we could. We, weren't very, we didn't have a lot of money, so it was not too often. <laughs> but we would get steak occasionally. Mainly we had a roast on Sundays. We love a good roast. And Brooklyn would start trying to chew that roast, and it would, what Wendy would say, it would grow in her mouth. Do you know what that means? She started eating and just got bigger and bigger and bigger until finally she had to spit out the roast. Now, if you put a cheeseburger in front of that girl... It was gone. No problem, right? She could handle that, but that meat, she was not quite ready for it, okay? And that's exactly the illustration that we have here today. The author of Hebrews says, I want to give you the steak. Now, when you can enjoy steak, there's almost nothing much better than that, right? But you have to be prepared and you have to build up to that. He says, you're, you're still taking the milk. You're not ready for the stake. So he wants to give these harder concepts, uh, but he's very concerned the followers of Christ haven't grown in the, in the teachings of Christ. 
And again, I want to challenge you. This really, this was in Sunday school last week. Um, when I was with the adults last week in Sunday school, Paul there said to Timothy, be an example to the believers, set an example for them, that they may see your progress. That really hit me. How are you progressing? Like if we sat down, I sat down with Robert, and I said, Robert, it's been five years, in the last five years, are you closer with the Lord than you were five years ago? How can you display that? Or Wendy, what in your life would lead you to believe that, yes, you have grown in wisdom and in knowledge and in stature with the Lord? Right? Rick, what's, what's changed you? What's different about you that you could say, yes, I'm making progress? It's not that it's like this, right? We know that, right? It's kind of this up and then down a little bit and then this trial and then a strength and a joy. And, but just kind of like that stock market, are you progressing? And that's the challenge today. I want you to ask yourself that question. And then if you're not progressing, I want you to really seek the Lord's face today. If you are, then I want you to be encouraged in that today. So before we get ahead of ourselves, thinking that, well, certainly we can digest strong meat, let me ask you just a few questions. Do um, you want me to make you have, give out loud answers? Will that add a little pressure to it? Question one, do you understand how Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek? There'll be a quiz to follow. What do you think, right? Do you have a real good hold of that? You understand how that Melchizedek was a type of, of Christ and how that that's important in our Christian life? Yeah, the author of Hebrews is ready to explain this. He's like, you're not even anywhere where I could begin to teach this to you. Do you understand how Jesus learned obedience? Wait a minute. How did Jesus learn anything? He was God, right? Does that mean he was sinful or what, what's going on there? Um, a couple more to think about. Do you understand how Jesus was made perfect, yet he was already God? How does that work? He was made perfect. That would almost make it seem like that he wasn't perfect, but then he was made perfect. And then last one here, do you know the difference between good and evil? Do we need to come up with a few scenarios to ask you about that? A real quick one that comes to my mind when I think about our persecuted brothers and sisters is when is the right time to witness, right? Sometimes there's a time to be bold and to trust the Lord for his protection, and you may end up being a martyr like Stephen. But also, we see from the scriptures that sometimes there's a time to hide and a time to, to step aside, isn't there, right? And both of those things can be of the Lord, but how do you know when to do which one? You need to know the difference between good and evil. You need to know what the prompting of the Holy Spirit feels like, right? You need to know I can move as the Holy Spirit moves. I can keep in step with him. But how are you going to do that if you're still drinking just the milk? Everybody tracking with me now today? Okay. So we're going to work our way through this passage. But again, my words don't mean a thing, but the Lord speaking to you is what matters. Listen to what he says to you today and ask yourself, am I making progress? And Lord, in those areas where I need to grow, please, please help me to grow. A good example of this is, uh, is about how the, the eagle actually works. I want to ask you this question this morning. Is God stirring your nest? Do you know what it means to stir the nest? Let me read this to you just for a second. It's from Today in the Word. Though many of us have seen pictures of huge eagles' nests high in the branches of a tree or in the crag of a cliff, few of us have gotten a glimpse inside. When a mother eagle builds her nest, she starts with thorns, broken branches, sharp rocks, 
and a number of other items that seem entirely unsuitable for the project. That's odd, isn't it, right? (laughs) But then she lines the nest with a thick padding of wool feathers and fur from the animals she has killed, making it soft and comfortable for the eggs. By the time the growing birds reach flying age, the comfort of the nest and the luxury of free meals makes them quite reluctant to leave. Can anybody identify with that? That's when the mother eagle begins stirring up the nest. With her strong talons, she begins pulling up the thick carpet of fur and feathers, bringing the sharp rocks and branches to the surface. As more of the bedding gets plucked up, the nest becomes more uncomfortable for the young eagles. Eventually, this and other urgings prompt the growing eagles to leave their once comfortable abode and move on to more mature behavior. Here's what I challenge you a little bit today. Sometimes God stirs our nest to get us to grow, right? Now think what it would feel like to fly like a bald eagle. I mean, that's just an amazing thought, isn't it, right? But they would never know that experience if they never leave the nest. Hear the Lord today. Some of you, the Lord is putting through trial. And you'll need to examine this as part of your discernment, but maybe that some of the trial is God stirring up your nest. He's allowing these things. He's not causing the sin to happen, but he's allowing these things to happen to you to cause you to lean on him, to rely on him, to grow in him so that you can fly like he wants you to fly. But you've got to learn to trust him. And I've got to learn to trust him. Are you growing in the Lord today? Are you more spiritually sharp than you were a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago? Are you grasping the milk of the word, let alone the meat? Are you wiser and humbler and stronger knowing the things that are most important in this world and knowing what is of eternal value. All right, let's look down in verse 11. That's where we're going to get started today. Hard of hearing, slow to learn Christians. Dull, the King James says, dull of hearing, slow to learn Christians. Look at verse 11 through 13. The author writes, he says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try. You no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. These Hebrew Christians here in the book of Hebrews are slow to learn. Their hearing is dull and their perception is poor. They are not growing up in the Lord. Now, have you noticed this? They have had time and opportunity to grow. They've been through the basics already. Have you? I'm going to look out in this audience. I'm going to say just about everybody in here that I know has been through the basics, right? Some of you guys have been through the basics for a long time. Your preacher has been through the basics for, let's just say, over 40 years, (laughs) probably closer to 50 You've been through it. You know it. You've heard the Romans road, right? You know sin. You know salvation. You know the resurrection. You know baptism. How many times have you heard a message or a lesson or been an experience of that, right? You ought to have it by now. And the author of Hebrews is really concerned about this group of people because he says they have stopped trying to understand those more difficult things. And that's the the issue. They've stopped trying He says they should be teachers by now, and yet they still need to be taught the basics. Let me ask you this today. This is challenging to all of us, to preacher too. 
Who are you discipling today? Who's your disciple? Did you know you're supposed to have a few? What did Jesus, what was the mission? Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, right? Say, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples, baptizing them, right? Teaching them all things. Make disciples. Now, see, here's what your preacher loves. This is, I'm just being as transparent, flat out as I can be. Probably my favorite thing in my whole life, probably my favorite thing, is to teach Wednesday night to people who will listen and learn. I just love it. Of course, you, I love to talk. I'm born that way. But I love when we're going through God's word and all of a sudden it, something just clicks. It's been so awesome having Esther and Synthel with us on Wednesdays because they have incredible insight. You guys provoke Esther a little bit too. I've been pushing her to teach a women's class because she's so good. But whenever we're together and those light bulbs come on, I know Robert's really encouraged me on Wednesday. John, even this last Wednesday, was through his example, we were talking about things, right? It's just one of my favorite things to see that happen. But here's the problem. By now, a lot of you guys should be teaching your own class. Right? You guys, I've been here over five years. Right? It'll be six years this summer that I've been here. Surely, if you've been coming to church every Sunday morning or been coming to church every Wednesday night, you ought to have a pretty good handle on the basic truths. Amen? And you ought to be studying on your own in your daily devotions and your prayer time and maybe things that you soak in, conferences you go to. And I'm not saying everybody in here has to have a Wednesday night class, but everybody in here should be making a disciple. And for those of you that have children, that's your most important thing. And I, just, I just implore you today to pour your heart, pour God's heart into your children. But for the rest of us that maybe our children are grown or moved on, then we've also got to continue to make disciples, Okay. Paul, I say Paul, wasn't necessarily Paul. The author of Hebrews says, hey, you, you guys, by this time, you should be teachers. You should be teaching. You, ha- you are that far along. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Who are you teaching? And maybe it's your kids or grandkids. That's awesome. But if you're not teaching someone, look to that, how to grow into that role. Can I challenge you with this this morning? If we are privileged enough to get a child into this church and to keep them here until they graduate, if their desire is there, they should be able to be a teacher before they leave this place. Amen. I just, how can I, this is like my heartbeat today, you guys. I don't wish I could even express how much our kids, especially Andrew and Dasha are next up on the list. And I, were hit, I was hitting them up today in Sunday school. When they leave this place and they go to college, the, their science teachers, their English teachers, their college professors, many of them are not going to be believers. And they are going to challenge everything that they've ever known about this book and about this truth and about our Lord. And I want them to be ready when the challenge comes. Now, obviously, the most important role is the parents of those families, but our church has a role to play too, right? We need to equip those parents so that they can have the things they need to help their kids. And then we, as we can, we need to pour into those kids' lives. And most of all, we need to be praying for God to develop and grow. Okay? And again, don't take this the wrong way. Please don't take this the wrong way. It's not about me, but at my church at home in Decatur, they allowed me to grow up and to be teaching before I ever left that church. My grandma brought me under her wing in eighth grade and I was helping to teach her Sunday school class. And in children's church, I was helping to teach and work in there and I was horrible. (laughs) But they were developing me and they were making me and giving me the opportunity. And we need to be doing the same thing here at our church. We need to make sure our kids aren't stuck on uh, Cheetos and Dr. Pepper, right? They need some Longhorn steak 
They need to know the Word of God. They need to be strong in God's Word so that when they go out and face the world, they're ready to deal with it. This spring, my brother Todd's been a huge encouragement in this, but we're going to be focusing on the idea of creation and evolution. We're going to highlight some of those things that the world says, and we're going to show that how much of what the world says is also a matter of faith. And we're going to look at the, the truths of God's Word and how it stacks up. So you pray for us and for our children as we go forth through that. Again, some Christians are satisfied with always being fed and never feeding. Do you hear that? I don't believe that's true of you today, but I want to challenge you to encourage others in this. God wants us to be in his word, and he wants us to grow in it. Again, I challenge you this morning, are you a babe or a teacher? Are you hungry for the meat of the word, or are you still content to be fed the milk? When somebody confronts you and they ask you a question, what do you respond? Do you say, well, my preacher says this. Or you say, well, my church says this. Or can you say with confidence, I know that God's word says this, right? That is where we really need to focus, where we really need to speak. We need to understand what holiness is and what righteousness is. We need to be able to defend our faith and to know and to grow in the Lord. Are you discerning today? Do you know what is best that you can be pure and blameless until the day of Christ? That's from Philippians chapter 1. Again, let's strive to discern the best things. And one way I put this is let's push each other to grow beyond the basics of heaven and hell. Now, are heaven and hell important? Right? They're a very core, a very core truth. But you guys, there's just so much more than having some fire insurance. Amen? We need to make sure that's taken care of. We need to make sure that our heart is part of the family of God, that our name is written in the book of life. But the Lord would have so much more for us than that than just to say, well, I, I said a prayer, I prayed a prayer, and I was baptized. We need to be really immersed in God and his ways and his spirit. And it, uh, help, help me hear, hear me today, please. It's not about having more Bible smarts. Can you hear that? Hear me today where this is coming from. It's more about experiencing doing the right things in the right way and the ways that we love and serve, and, and even in spite of our trials, and sometimes through them, it's about an experiential knowledge. It's not about a bunch of facts. Some of you today, if we were to do Bible trivia, you would be amazing. All right? I'm just gonna bra- I would brag on Dasha. I would put Dasha up about against anybody in this room, because I think for most of the people in here, she would outdo us all for her Bible knowledge, which we all need that. But what I'm talking about today is not a trivial pursuit Bible knowledge. It is a knowledge that is borne out through trial and suffering and serving and loving and sharing. That's where we need to grow. That's what the author of Hebrews is pushing us toward today, that it wouldn't be just the milk, but it would be the meat. Okay, next idea this morning, verse 14. Discernment sets the mature apart from the babes. That's what the difference is, is discerning. Verse 14, solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Again, notice constant use. This is from a real old show, but I thought this was a great picture of what a mature Christian looks like or what one doesn't look like. A while back on what was called the Merv Griffin Show, the guest was a bodybuilder. And during the interview, Merv asked, why do you develop those particular muscles? And the bodybuilder simply stepped forward and flexed a series of well-defined muscles from chest to calf. And the audience applauded. (laughs) Well, what do you use all those muscles for? Merv asked again. 
And again, the muscular specimen flexed and the biceps and triceps sprouted to impressive proportions. But what do you use those muscles for? (laughs) Merv persisted. Well, the bodybuilder was bewildered. He didn't have an answer other than to display his well-developed frame. He says, Gary Goldberg says, I was reminded that our spiritual exercises, Bible study and prayer and reading Christian books, listening to Christian music and tapes, they're also for a purpose. They're meant to strengthen our ability to build God's kingdom, not simply to improve our pose before an admiring audience. Isn't that a good picture? Like the bodybuilder builds so that he can be seen, so he can be admired. But are you really using those? Do you need those? And sometimes we do the same thing. I have good church attendance, so people will know I'm a good church attender. I have the books of the Bibles memorized. I can quote you Psalm 23, right? I know John 3, 16, forward and backwards. I got the Romans road in my head. Look how impressive I am. But the question is, can you use and discern what you have learned? Again, notice what sets apart the mature, the meat eaters from the milk drinkers, if you will. They are able to discern good and evil. And how do they do this? By practice. Practice, practice. Do you guys know what muscle memory is? Right? And hopefully you have practiced some things with muscle memory, right? Now, when I was in college, I may have shared this story with some of you before. Uh, I, I didn't play basketball uh, in high school. I just played at my house. I never played, actually. But we went to a, I went to a real small college, and I actually got to be on the college basketball team. It was really exciting. So I learned all these things. And one of the things we did, we were the Free Will Baptist Flames. And so I still remember the coach wanted us to have good muscle memory when we're shooting free throws. Because what happens a lot of times when you're shooting free throws, one thing is you can be really nervous. Especially today, they have all those big signs, you know, they wave and hold up, right? Okay. And then also, depending on the time of the game, your body can be super tired, right? And so it may be exhausted. And he said, if we'll have good muscle memory in practice, you won't even really have to think about it. You can kind of zone out those things. So he said, here's what you do. He said, flames. He did an acrostic off flames. And he said, you need to find the dot. I didn't even know there was a dot on the basketball court. Did you know that where the free throw line is, there was actually a nail and a wood floor where they center that line? He said, find the dot. So when we go into these gyms, I'd be now some of the ones that had the plastic floors, they wouldn't have a dot. <laughs> but on the wood floor, you'd find the dot. And he'd say, lower your body. And he said, always, always, uh, aim for the basket, make a basket, make it look like it's big, and eye it, and then finally shoot it, right? And so we would do that and do that. And everybody, if you ever watch people that do free throws much on TV and you get to see them do it within a game, if they do 10 or 12 free throws, watch their habits. Most of them will be doing the exact same thing. If they throw the ball up, they'll throw the ball up like this. They'll bounce it the same number of times. If they're just doing one-handed, they'll do the same thing every time. Why is that? Because they're they're trying to develop a really good muscle memory. In our Christian life, we need practice to have good spiritual memory to make good decisions. How do these mature become mature? Through constant use. (laughs) Through constant use, right? Well, yeah, I remember the last time we went through this type of situation. I remember I prayed and the Lord gave me wisdom about what to do. One thing I know I learned in my life when I was on a mission trip was never make a decision based completely out of fear. I was scared to death that something bad was going to happen. I was like, oh, I guess I shouldn't do that because I'm just afraid. And in that lesson, God taught me when I'm trying to seek the Lord's will, don't make a decision based out of fear. Make it out of faith. 
constant use. That was through practice. I learned a lesson. What lessons have you learned? We need to exercise our spiritual muscles on a daily basis. We need to be deciding, what is the best thing for me to do this day? Where is God at work? Is God in this, or is it my flesh and my desire? What's the best thing to do in this situation? If you go back in verse 8, I just want to point a picture of Jesus for us to learn from him. Son, son of God, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And we know from the end of chapter four that Jesus was tempted in every way, yet he was without sin, right? No sin. So we know that he wasn't disobedient. What we see here is Jesus learning obedience means that now he, he gets this experienced obedience. He goes from an unexperienced, untested obedience to a tested, experienced obedience. When he went through the cross, the suffering is what helped him grow, what helped him know, what helped him understand, what helped him display the knowledge that he already had as our Savior. We too should be learning obedience through our trials. Spiritual muscles are exercised by praying and reading, but then by practicing what you are reading and praying about. Again, that's the key. We often read, we often pray, but do we practice? I want to encourage you to practice. Hone those skills uh, on a daily basis so that you can know what it is to follow and to keep in step with the Spirit. Finally this morning, last thing this morning, moving up, moving forward, we got to first drink our milk. All right, look in chapter 6, verse 1. There the author of Hebrews says, Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God and instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. So here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. You saw the list right there, okay? Again, I'm not making this up. This is right from the Word of God. To move on to the more mature things, to grow, we need to grasp those elementary principles first. Do you have a good handle on the basics of salvation? All right, that's the challenge. You look at the list there even with me here today, okay? Do you have a good handle on how faith and works work? If you're still trying to earn your way for God's favor, I'm going to tell you that you don't. <laughs> so focus on that, grow in that. Do you understand that this body... This body, it's going to go into the ground. And God, when he comes and he sends his son back, he's going to bring this body and make it back together into a new body. There will be a resurrected body. Do you understand that? If you don't, you need to learn and get to know that. 1 Corinthians 15 will give you some great insight to that, okay? Eternal judgment. Hopefully that one we have handled out pretty well, right? But do you understand the consequences of a life that is lived and rejects the gift of Christ, the gift of God? Do you really get a hold of what the truth of that, that is? Again, these are the things that are milk that we should know. But if you don't know those, we want to learn and grow in those areas first so that then we can grab hold of what's ahead. And again, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about Melchizedek and how Jesus is a high priest in that order and how that can be an encouragement for us. But today, very simply, I just want to ask you again, are you growing? Are you more than you were a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago? And if you aren't, would you humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, teach me and help me to be the teacher that you want me to be. Help me, Lord, discern good and evil on a regular basis that I can do the things you need me to do for God. William Sherrios shares this little story. This is great. 
In the last day's newsletter, Leonard Ravenhill tells about a group of tourists that were visiting a picturesque village, and they walked by an old man sitting beside a fence. In a rather patronizing way, one tourist asked, Were any great men born in this village? The old man replied, Nope, only babies. (laughs) A frothy question. It brought a profound answer. There are no instant heroes. Whether in this world or in the kingdom of God, growth takes time. And as the scriptures point out, even spiritual leadership must be earned. They became mature through constant use, through practice, through practice. Can I encourage you today to do what the Lord has on your heart, that through constant use, you too would become a, a mature believer in the Lord. Very simply, I'd word it this way. Are you growing up in the Lord? Are you still drinking your milk? Let's stand this morning. Thank you so much for your time and your attention today. Maybe there's something on your heart this morning um, where you have a decision to make and you're not sure if it's of your heart, of the Lord's heart, and you need some help with that. We encourage you to seek the Lord today. Uh, On the last couple Wednesday nights, we've been mindful of the fact of how... uh, Worship can look so different. And then this last Wednesday was such a great reminder that we need to really be open and honest before the Lord. And you guys, we have this altar here, and I hope you never think it's a place of judgment. It's always just a place of seeking God. And you can pray in your seat. You can pray sitting down. You could pray even at home. But when you come together, we always want to encourage you, if something's really burdening your heart, to touch somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, would you pray with me? And maybe you pray together there, or maybe you can come forward and pray down here and lay those things at the Lord's feet. So we always want to encourage that today. Today, where are you at? Are you regressing or are you just plateaued? Or are you making that growth over time in the Lord? And I want to challenge you, if, if you're not growing, you ask the Lord to help me to grow. Today, if you've got a decision that's weighing heavy on your heart and you're not sure what God's will is and if it's your heart or God's heart, I pray so much that you would bring that to the Lord today. Say, Lord, help me to know. And then most of all, would you help us all of us become disciple makers. Would you pray for that today? Uh, God will grow this body and this church if we are humble ourselves to him and become the disciple makers he wants us to be. He will definitely glorify his name in that. So you pray that way today. Let's take just a little time together and we'll pray together today and that God's will be done.